Welcome to Politicus, the only podcast that discusses politics and public service from the Portuguese-American perspective. Here we discuss everything from federal policy, local issues, and U.S.-Portugal relations with the goal of driving more discussion and awareness of the issues affecting our nation, our community, and what we as Portuguese-Americans can do about it. And now, Politicus. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Politicus. My name is Angela Samoz, and I am here with my co-host, Denise Borges. How are you, Denise? Hi, Denise. Great to be here for another exciting podcast. Yeah, yeah. The uh, we, We've been getting some great feedback on the podcast, uh, the episodes, and the, the variety of people we've been speaking to. And so hopefully our, our listeners out there are still enjoying the conversations. And today, I know that we are interviewing... I think that, yeah, our youngest podcast guest. So that's exciting because I know one of our goals with this podcast is to reach out to the younger generations and encourage more people, more young people to get involved in public service. So if you would do the honors of introducing our guest, Denise. Yes, my pleasure. I met uh, our guest last year at the Legislative Dialogues for the Fundação Luz Americana para o Desenvolvimento, FLAD, in Lisbon. He is a state representative from the great state of Massachusetts, uh, Dylan Fernandes. And Dylan, as I um, have uh, mentioned uh, to many other people, because of his age, because of his dynamic involvement in politics, and uh, also uh, I believe he's going to be a name that we are going to hear uh, for many years in the Portuguese-American community, and I believe not just in Massachusetts, but throughout uh, at a national level as well, throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. So welcome, Dylan. Thank you so much for taking up our invite. And uh, we'll start to, if you don't mind, with telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your family history uh, through uh, your involvement in the Portuguese-American community and your Portuguese-American heritage, and how uh, you got involved in the political world, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on, Denise and Angela. Just thrilled to be here and uh, thrilled to celebrate our shared Portuguese heritage with you. And, you know, I, I got involved in politics at a relatively kind of young age, uh, right out of college, went to work for Elizabeth Warren on her campaign for Senate in Massachusetts. Then I went on to work for Maura Healy, who is our attorney general here in Massachusetts. And I worked uh, as our political director, and then and then went to the attorney general's office here and worked in civil rights and consumer protection. And really kind of that throughout my life, throughout my kind of early career, the focus was really on standing up for the most vulnerable in our society and, and really just doing my best to, to give back. And I think that comes from, uh, in large part, my, my family background and my Portuguese family background. Uh, my father grew up on the Cape and Islands, where I serve as state representative, and he grew up in a family of really, you know, extreme poverty uh, mm-hmm. on the Cape and Islands. And he's a he's a one of nine brothers and sisters, uh, and they never really had anything here. They they came from a long line of strawberry farmers, uh, but my father he worked really hard. Uh, he started his own company, worked hard to see it grow. And then, you know, this classic American dream story got to witness the reward of his hard work as his son graduated from college, first person in this very large Portuguese family to do so. And so the reason I, you know, I ran for office, the reason I've been so involved in public service is just to give back to the community and the state that's given me uh, and my family so much. 
Now, you uh, also have taken on some interesting causes. I uh, know from the brief bio that uh, we were uh, privy to at uh, the uh, FLAD uh, legislative dialogues. Uh, you've been involved in things like you said, equal pay for equal work, clean energy solutions and environmental uh, issues, and also the uh, LGBT community and the, and the rights uh, of the LGBT community. So uh, tell us, is there one particular issue that has really driven you the most, or do you feel these all intertwine into serving your area in order to have a better society? That's what we all would wish for. Yeah, that's that's a terrific question. And you know, my focus is the issues that are most impactful in the district. And when you have a district like mine, and my district is the most unique district in all of Massachusetts because two-thirds of it are islands, uh, and the islands of Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket. And then I have uh, a chunk of the mainland of Cape Cod and Falmouth. And so for this unique district, uh, there are issues of affordable housing that are really important to me. On Nantucket, the average home cost is $2.4 million. That's the average, which is uh, crazy. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just profoundly unaffordable. Uh, we have an opioid and heroin epidemic that is affecting all of uh, the United States, but Massachusetts and New England are particularly hard hit. And our district, unfortunately, has been devastated by this epidemic. And then environmental issues. Uh, you know, when you when you represent a coastal community, when you represent islands, issues of sustainability are incredibly important. And, you know, I've really taken on at the State House the issue of uh, promoting environment, promoting clean energy. And, you know, I was fortunate this past year, I'm a, I'm a freshman representative in the, in the House of Representatives, and I was fortunate this year to be the, the first and only freshman representative to pass uh, a major piece of legislation, and we passed my bill, which uh, signs Massachusetts onto the Paris Climate Agreement. And I mm -hmm. think that's a really important message uh, for Massachusetts to be sending, because it's really important that we stand in solidarity with the global community around combating climate change. And with Trump withdrawing from that agreement, the United States is now, now it's the only nation in the world not signed on. I think that's a national and international embarrassment. And it's so, so, so I think it's even more important that Massachusetts stands out and says that, uh, you know, it says to the rest of the world and the rest of the nation that a handful of climate deniers down in Washington, D.C. do not speak for the people in Massachusetts and that we're committed uh, to fighting global warming. I'm curious um, for our, our listeners, if you could Maybe talk a little, just to spend a couple minutes talking a little bit about your district in, in general. And you've, you've touched on it a little bit, but people are going to have some preconceived notions about Martha's Vineyard and Cape Cod and, oh, what kind of problems could be there, right? Because everybody's wealthy, uh, you know, poor, poor wealthy people, right? So why don't we dispel a few of the misconceptions that you think people have about the area and really some of the, you've already mentioned one, the affordable housing as well as the uh, you know, opioid and, and heroin epidemic. Mm. But um, what are some other issues that I, I think the average American could, you know, really relate to in an area that has this reputation for being so affluent? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's, that's a reputation that we try to educate people kind of uh, against <laughs> on a daily basis because, mm -hmm. you know, sure, for, for three months out of the year from 
June to August, this district is one of the wealthiest, you know, has some of the wealthiest people in it in the entire world. And, but that is only three months out of the year. The other nine months, uh, it is a profoundly different district, right? You know, we're, we're in we're January right now. About two thirds of the people who are here in the summertime are not here right now. And so the residents of this district uh, are largely just supportive to that summer economy uh, and that summer tourist industry. And, and actually the average salary for many work, for many of the towns that I represent is lower than the state average salary, which is something that a lot of people uh, probably don't, wouldn't realize when they think about the Cape and Islands. But the, the, the people who live here year round are largely uh, in, the, in the tourism industry. Uh, there's, there's, I represent the largest um, uh, marine biological laboratories and ocean research institutions in the world. So it's a lot of scientists. Uh, and then there are a lot of, you know, fishermen, shell fishermen, uh, mm-hmm. and women, um, and, and those types of, of jobs as well. So there's not, you know, for three months out of the year, the people who have summer homes here uh, bring in a lot of wealth, but that's not what the local, that does not represent the local residents. And so that, and so combating that perception, mm-hmm. uh, I think is really important, especially when, when kind of pushing for resources for the district, being able to combat that perception is important. And, and look, I think my own personal story is a, is a good way of combating that uh, coming from a, a large family that, that grew up in poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that people don't really think of when they think of the Cape and Islands. Is there still a, a considerable Portuguese community there? Is your, you know, is your family still there? Yeah. So, uh, my family, most of my family is still here. There is a very large Portuguese community here. Many hmm. uh, residents come from the Azores, like my family did. My family came from uh, San Miguel. And, and, and there's a really proud and rich uh, Portuguese history here. There's Portuguese American clubs in every region uh, that I represent. And, you know, when I was running for office, one of the things that really attracted people to my candidacy was that I was Portuguese. You know, I think people, especially in southeastern Massachusetts, and I think it, I think in New England, seaside New England in particular, uh, that people are looking for new kind of fresh uh, Portuguese leadership. That's something that really, I think, helped boost my campaign efforts. Hmm. And and talking to a lot of, you know, you go out uh, and do old fashioned shoe leather politics to win election, knocking on doors and making phone calls. And Fernandez is a name that, uh, you know, pretty much everyone associates with being Portuguese. So I had a lot of conversations with people at the door who, you know, told me, oh, you know, my, I come from, my family comes from the Azores or we come from. My grandmother came from Lisbon and we've been here for a generation or two. And I think, you know, I think there's a real desire out there for more uh, Portuguese people to run for office and uh, for more Portuguese people and for Portuguese communities in general to be more involved uh, in the political process and make sure their, their voice is heard. 
Now, Dylan, in that, uh, in your district and in, in the area, most of these issues that are dear to your heart and that you've uh, worked so hard for, are there any particular of these or other issues that are kind of unique to the Portuguese-American community, or have we integrated to the point in that part of the world, like it's happened in other parts uh, throughout the United States, or have we integrated to the point where our issues are just plain old American issues? You know, I think uh, for the most part, you know this this region has such a has such a rich uh, Portuguese history that a lot of the issues have become ingrained and become just kind of regular uh, American issues because most of the most of the Portuguese people kind of date their 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 history back to their uh, ancestors coming over because of the, the whaling industry. Uh, you know, Nantucket uh, is known. Uh, you know, worldwide as, you know, this whaling capital of the world. And, and, and so is the Cape and, and, and New Bedford, obviously, you know, Moby Dick highlights Nantucket and, and New Bedford, and that's all part of southeastern Massachusetts. So there's a lot of Portuguese people here, but I'd say in my district, uh, they're mainly second, third generation Portuguese people who have been kind of really assimilated. Uh, but You know, I think there's also a desire there to maintain the Portuguese heritage. And at the State House every year, we have a Portuguese Heritage Day where we bring in people, uh, Portuguese leaders uh, from throughout the Commonwealth uh, who have been active in their community and advancing Portuguese heritage. And we make sure to honor them with a ceremony uh, that usually involves the governor. And so, you know, in the legislature uh, and our Portuguese caucus in the legislature, we've made real efforts to highlight people in the community advancing Portuguese culture. And uh, a little bit. Uh, so there is a Portuguese caucus in the state's House of uh, Representatives of Massachusetts. Yeah, it's small, but it's mighty. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and it's, bas it's basically the Portuguese Americans or are there others who are not Portuguese Americans but represent the district? Yeah, we so it's 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 really Luso American uh, caucus, you know, right, right. Portuguese American caucus, mm -hmm. and so you know we have representatives um, from from Cape Verde uh, also in the caucus. I think you know, I think there's uh, around, I think there's eight to ten members uh, in total, uh, which is is fairly significant in the state house but we want to grow it and we want to and, and one of our the things that we're we're looking at is you know how do we encourage portuguese people uh to run for office and that's something the group is looking at Right. And that's uh, the follows into the next question. What, um, you know, as someone, you know, of a uh, younger generation who was involved in, in the political world, who got involved as an organizer, as a campaign director, as a political director, what would you say to young people who, you know, be it the current political, national uh, climate, uh, you know, blame it on whatever we want to blame it on, but who have uh, become more and more disenchanted with, uh, with politics? What would you say to them from someone of their generation, uh, to especially end of same uh, at the group, you know, would you say to young Portuguese Americans throughout the United States, you know, what is important and, and how would uh, they, how can they get involved? I mean, not just running for a state house, but maybe at a local level, maybe at a school board, maybe at a uh, local uh, town council, etc. cetera. Uh, what message could you give to them, to people of your generation, Portuguese Americans that are kind of disenchanted with the current political climate? 
Well, look, I think, uh, you know, our president is making the biggest case against apathy that I've ever seen. <laughs> in my so, you know, I, I would just say to, to young people and, and, and people in the young people in the Portuguese community that uh, just to step up and, and run and put your hat in the ring and don't let anyone tell you that you're too young to get involved. Don't let anyone tell you that you're too young to have your voice heard or to wait your turn. Uh, look, power, no one wants to give up power. You got to go out there and take it. And that's something that I, that's a message that I really want to send to the, uh, to this community because look, there, there's a need out there for Portuguese leadership in the world. And there's a need out in, there for Portuguese leadership in our local communities. And no one's going to give you uh, <laughs> power, right? You got to go out there uh, and take it and don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. It's a daunting process, uh, but don't be afraid to do it. And, 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 and I say this sincerely that anyone uh, interested in running from this community who wants some advice should reach out to me directly. My email is just Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, uh, with the number one, Fernandez, at gmail.com. Just reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to chat with any young Portuguese uh, person looking to get involved in politics. That's awesome that you have put that out there and made that offer. Thank you, Dylan. And kind of along the same thing, you know, theme, I should say, before we started recording the podcast, you know, we asked you how old you were and you made the comment that that's a theme or kind of a recurring thing that happens. People asking your age and saying, oh, you're the youngest. Talk a little bit about what that experience has been like, uh, you know, being on the younger side and, you know, maybe some of the challenges you've had to overcome, people not taking you seriously, maybe, or things like that. Because I think there are a lot of young people that want to get involved, but like you said, maybe get discouraged or somebody tells them not to do something and they back down, right? So talk yeah. tell a little bit about your experience as a young person. Well, you know, frankly, you know, I, I came at this where I had uh, a pretty significant background in politics and public service before running for office. And so I had a baseline of experience that really prepared me to run for office. And then, you know, I, I you know, had that experience and then I was 26 uh, when I ran for office and I brought a lot of kind of youth and energy and new ideas to it. And that did not hurt at all. <laughs> if anything, I actually think my age was a huge boost. And look, if there's any district where it's going to be tough to be a young candidate, it's mine. I represent the oldest county in America in terms of really? age. Really? Really? So, so if I can do it, I think anyone, anyone can get out there and do it. And so, you know, don't be discouraged. Don't, you, your age is really an asset if, if you're a young person running for office for a couple of reasons. One, it takes a whole lot of energy uh, to go around and meet uh, thousands of people, knock on mm -hmm. thousands of doors, make thousands of phone calls. Uh, it takes a ton of energy. You're, you're working, you know, 80 hours a week. And so I think that really, really helps if you're on the younger end and doing that. And then, and then also, you know, look, frankly, you have less to lose if you're running as someone in your 20s. Uh, and, and I think it's really important even you know, politics aside, I think it's really important for my generation, people in their 20s, to take calculated risks when they're young. 
you know, mm-hmm. before they're 30, 35 to take, take risks, make sure they're well thought out and calculated, but, but to take them because unlike any other period in your life, you have significantly less to lose. I, I you know, I ran, I didn't have a, a family and have children I had to take care of. I didn't have a, I didn't have a dog, right? So um, <laughs> my uh, responsibilities uh, and the responsibilities of, of many millennials before settling down are fairly limited and that actually lends itself really well to to any any type of risk but in particular uh, i think running for office uh, on also wanted to talk to you a little bit about the relationship the transatlantic relationship between uh, obviously portugal the azores uh, the madeira islands and um, and the united states and, and our communities as i mentioned you took part in the flat legislative dialogues in lisbon last year for your first time and tell us a little bit about that experience because we believe that uh, you know we've uh, just about uh, every single legislative person that we've spoken to in the East and West Coast participated. And so um, we'd like to get everyone's opinion on how you felt about that, that experience, you know, getting a little, to know quite a bit about uh, the Portuguese political world uh, and also how you feel the Portuguese communities can contribute to Portugal and vice versa. And in your case, especially with your coastal communities that have so much in common with, with Portugal, be it the fishing, the scientific aspect, et cetera. That's right. Yeah, and that's and that's 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 so perceptive uh, of you. I you know I had I think Flat is a terrific world class organization that does an incredible job of bridging the Atlantic and bridging the United States and Portugal around really kind of shared values and promoting, uh, especially in promoting economic opportunity. I thought that the dialogues were incredibly informative and illuminating and we discussed a lot of issues that are are shared you know my district in particular uh, and thank you so much for for bringing this up my district is home to the woods hole oceanographic institution which is the largest uh, privately operated uh, ocean research organization in the world and we also have uh, several other uh, world-renowned biological institutions uh, in the district. And and they actually do research uh, in the Azores uh, with whale sharks and, and, and other uh, unique marine life that stop over there. And, and part of the dialogue, we've had folks um, from FLAD come and tour uh, the facilities here and talk about, you know, our, our kind of shared uh, uh, ocean and how you know, when it comes to Portugal, Portugal has one of the largest water resources in the world. And so how can, you know, our unique scientific institutions help Portugal uh, kind of explore uses uh, for those ocean resources? And, mm-hmm. and that was one thing that we discussed at the talks that I thought was, was really uh, illuminating and helpful. And, and I think, you know, we have the opportunity to forge uh, some partnerships there. I think we're almost coming up on our time, but um, Angela, I think I would kick myself if I wouldn't ask Dylan about uh, Elizabeth Warren. Um, <laughs> after all, he is uh, he worked as an organizer for the campaign in 2012. She's kind of a star in one of our political parties in the United States. And so... Two-part question, Dylan. First, how was it working for the campaign? It was a campaign with lots of energy, but uh, I'm sure also, you know, a tough campaign like they all are. And second, uh, is she going to run for president? 
Oh boy. I, I wish I had the answer to the second one, but, uh, well, look, you know, Elizabeth Warren is someone who uh, has been fighting for middle-class families since day one. And this is someone who is really all about lifting up people and helping the most vulnerable in our society and holding accountable special interests and holding accountable large financial institutions that have gotten away uh, with, frankly, you know, robbing uh, middle-class families uh, across our nation. And so, I just, I, I got involved in her campaign uh, because I wanted, because I, I, I saw the economic injustice in the world and I saw the economic inequality and how profound it is. I mean, it's the highest in America that it's been since the 1920s. Um, and so we have some real challenges here. Elizabeth Warren gets it. Elizabeth Warren uh, is, is going to fight for the little guy uh, and take on large financial institutions. And so She's terrific. She's the real deal. She's an honest um, and an incredibly hardworking advocate. And it was an absolute joy to work for her. And she's a terrific boss. I got I to gotta say, she's just a, a, a great person to work for. I hope she runs <laughs> for president. I'll, I'll certainly be fighting for her. Uh, but I, it's, it's, it's hard to say. And, and it's a little early. We got, we got three years. So I, I'm hoping there's a really dynamic and robust field of challengers uh, to Donald Trump because I think his presidency has been, you know, it's only one year in, and I, I think it's safe to say it's been a total disaster and frankly, a, a national embarrassment. You know, when I went to, to the Portuguese dialogues uh, uh, last April, he'd been in office for four months and I, and I frankly felt slightly embarrassed to be American, knowing that uh, Donald Trump was the president of our country. And, and I think that needs to change. Well, if, if anything has been entertaining, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's a long way. Uh, like. Yeah. 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 Um, as, we do, as we do wrap up, I, I would love to hear about your future. And uh, I mean, I know you probably don't want to give too many details, but you are young. You have a long road ahead of you, a lot of years to in public service, any thoughts about kind of ultimately where you want to go? What's your next step? Maybe you'll be president someday. I don't know. Like, <laughs> what are we, what are we planning here? Well, you know, I, it's funny. It's, I feel like that's a distinctly uh, uh, American question. Like what is, what is your, <laughs> really? I, I feel like, a, you know, it's something that uh, I get asked all the time. And, um, you know, right now I'm going to, I've only served a year in office. I'm going to keep uh, focused on the residents of the district for at least a, a, a couple more terms. And, you know, look, I'm a 28 state rep, <laughs> a 28 year old state rep. I, I you know, I, I don't have to pick up the pace too much, I think, but, uh, but yeah, I'm going to do this for a while now and then, and then we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Um, public service and giving back to Massachusetts and in my local community is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. So uh, we'll, we'll see where that takes me. Well, hopefully we'll have our first Portuguese, uh, Portuguese American president from Massachusetts. Oh boy. And probably, well, that'll be David Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, he, he also would be a very fine candidate oh. as a Portuguese American, as you know. You can Again, be his well, running mate. How there you that? go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, Dylan, thanks a million for your time. Uh, best of luck to you. I think that you're dynamic. I think that you have uh, a lot of things going for you as our 
Uh, I think our uh, listeners have uh, sensed that and have listened to that. I think that you care about your constituents, and that's, of course, number one for any public servant, whether he or she serves, you know, in a local, a statewide, or a national level. And uh, and we're and we're proud of young people uh, such as yourself. Uh, we uh, in Portuguese American community are very proud of of young people who are taking that step as you have. And again, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, and I I, I so appreciate what you're doing and engaging and, and lifting up the Portuguese community in America. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dylan. It's been a pleasure, pleasure speaking with you and a pleasure to meet you. It's the first time I've, I've spoken with you. So um, I hope all of our listeners have enjoyed this conversation as well. If you haven't hit subscribe, please do so right now so that you can hear a lot more really interesting and engaging conversations with our Portuguese American legislators across the country. Uh, share this podcast with friends and family and please write us a a review on iTunes that will definitely help more people discover us and, uh, and just dis- discover all the wonderful people that we've been talking to. So with that, um, thank you again, Dylan. Thank you, Denise, for, for joining again. And um, thanks everybody out there for taking the time and spending some, uh, some of your with drive time while you're cooking or whatever, but spending some time with us. We appreciate it. So until next time, have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of PALCUS, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. PALCUS is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about PALCUS and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus.palcus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by PALCUS.